Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everyone. This is Amy Peacock. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. That was the Jezebel's Time to Dance, which I think is appropriate for today. We've got some court cases, some good court cases to discuss. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, and you can see, as usual, I put program notes for the show, lists with links, all the stories and other things that we plan to discuss. I just got a tweet on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, Amy Peacock, from Rob Abiera, and he says, um, let me get it exact. He says, proud to be able to contribute some of the stories that Amy Peacock and Bosch Foston will be discussing on the show today. A lot of the stories. He just Almost gave me... every episode. <laughs> it's not every episode. Well, no, 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 but I mean, in terms of the stories for today's yeah. show, he, yeah. he, he contributed a lot. So thanks I for posting a, those. I was a slacker. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> he was not a slacker. I got some there from Bosch, too. Have you even looked at the program notes for today's show yet, Bosch? Well, do I have to confess? <laughs> yes. I just I just woke up. I asked you a question. I took a nap. Uh, <laughs> wow, I didn't sleep at all last night. You are such a wimp. Here I am. I'm operating on five hours of sleep, which, by the way, I'm is, operating on is two. seriously suboptimal for me. Five hours just does not work, so I'm going to blame... Anything that goes on today uh, on that. But, I, you know, actually, in terms of logistics and running the show, I actually made a major <laughs> little integration here. You know, I'm, I'm struggling to smoothly use my iTunes with this new setup and everything. And one of the things that I did is I kept playing my little clip of intro music that I had made. And then, for some reason, iTunes, as soon as that little clip, that shortened version of Mace Spray, as soon as it stops, iTunes shoves it directly right. into another song, and it's, it seems to be random. I don't even know what it's going to do. It's kind of scary. Yeah. And I, I couldn't figure out a way to smoothly do it. And then I figured, oh, hmm, I have Mace Spray in my iTunes. I could just play yeah. the first part of it, as much of it as I want for cool. my, duh. <laughs> uh-huh. So I figured, okay, at least... Even on five hours of sleep, I can come to new realizations about how stupid I was By all the way, way up till now. That's a good night's sleep. 
you know, the five hours of sleep, just just for the record. You know, I can live on six you know, decently. James Dean Seven famously says, plus is better. James Dean famously says, sleep is a waste of time. So, you know, you got to live by that. My only consolation today is that in the ongoing battle that I have right now against the scrub jay, mm. yes, the western scrub jay is currently my enemy. Which is a, a bird, by the way. Just. There is a, a, a western scrub jay. Who or, I, or a gang of birds. Well, but it's only one okay. that is really my nemesis right now. There's a family, I guess, in the in the backyard. There's a nest or something. And whenever I go out there with the dogs, this scrub jay swoops down and has yeah. has made contact with my head in yeah. doing this. This scrub jay does Very not want me in my own backyard and keeps harassing me. Every time I go out there, I have to literally try to kind of watch where it is at any moment and then shoo it away if it tries to come near me. It is so smart and so aggressive, and I hope that the mating season is over dang soon because it's really getting me upset. Um, The other thing is yesterday I was in a photo shoot, so I was like plain model yesterday. (laughs) I spent an hour. You played it beautifully, by the way. Well, thank you. You, Everybody, you can go check me out on the various social media places, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, at Amy Peacock and, and see it, part of the result of yesterday. See what an hour of makeup looks like. I don't know how people who are on TV all the time do this because that's an hour. That's an hour of makeup. Anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Yep. Yeah, and, and people seem to like it, so that is good. I'm waiting for the black and white photos to show up. That should be sometime next week. Now, we are going to go into our formal intro here in just a couple seconds, and we will see you guys on the other side. This is the June 27th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and sometimes culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy. Ayn Rand's philosophy objectivism is the only philosophy that upholds, that actually provides a philosophical foundation for the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. The right to the pursuit of your own happiness. So, yeah. Very carefully placed sentence there. Um, I'm Amy Peekoff. Joining me as usual in the studio here is cartoonist Bosch Faustin, who recently woke up from a nap. So we will, I guess, have to be kind to him. But then you have to be kind to me, too, because I had only five hours of sleep. And yesterday I was playing model for much of the day. So I don't know. I just. I feel like I wasn't focused on the intellectual stuff. But we have a lot of good stuff to talk about. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com. That's (laughs) D-O-N-T-L-E-T-I-T-G-O. 
I can do that. Don'tletitgo.com and check out the program notes for all the stories that we plan to discuss today. That's a bunch of links to the things that we're going to discuss. Uh, Bosch is flashing me a story that's not there. Um, <laughs> can, can I read what Gary Oldman said about uh, Nancy Pelosi? Just a little excerpt from his long Playboy interview. Sure. I'm going to enjoy it. It's, it's a little vulgar, but it's, it's worth saying. Do you mind? We're going to start off with a, you with know a what? vulgarity? Pro- probably not, because it's, it's a... It's a F word and a C word. And... Anyway, check it out if, if, if no one has seen it. I mean, he did get a little too loose at times. He did apologize to um, the Jewish organization. Over here in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio, Nielsen is saying he was surprised that there wasn't a certain story in my notes. If you want to post notes yeah. on my Don't Let It Go On Heard page on Facebook, that is where Rob Abiera or on Link Twitter, share, you know. extraordinaire shares the uh, stories with me. So go ahead and go there. When I'm preparing for the show, I often go there. But there are sometimes going to be stories that I overlook in yeah, my flurry. And there are ex- there are expectations also, and also disappointment. Like, wait, you you talk about that story? So yeah. Honestly, we're trying to talk about anything that interests us. You know, I I do seriously think we could do a daily show. I yeah. think that we could definitely do it. That I was there would be about plenty that. to talk about. I was thinking about that right, right before, literally, because it's it's a swirl of stories, and it, the only dangerous thing is you can get caught up in the vortex. I get really get. I get. Fully overwhelmed in putting together these links, and just to put together the links takes at least an hour. And I, I think definitely we could do it. But myself, in terms of all my obligations, I couldn't even think about it until a year from now. So we, we can talk about that more as time goes on. As it stands, we're going to sit here and plow through with the the once a week format. But yeah, go to don'tletitgo.com if you would like to chime in on any of the stories that you see there. Call us seven six zero. That's 760-888-5817. Or chime in here at the chat room at Blog Talk Radio as we have a bunch of people doing right now. One story that you probably don't have on your list that I just heard Time Magazine just quoted uh, Ted Cruz as saying that if uh, Eric Holder does not uh, appoint a special prosecutor for the IRS uh, uh, scandal, Mm -hmm. that he should expect to be impeached. Right, and there, and I, and I, I would love to see this, and you know, this is the thing: impeach him at least. Basically, will that be enough of a threat to get him to do it? Because he feels he's got this agenda yeah. to keep implementing Obama's dream of destroying America. Maybe he'll actually yeah. appoint a special prosecutor. Mm. But once he starts appointing a special prosecutor, yeah. if he appoints anybody halfway decent, yeah. I think it's eventually going to come back to Obama himself. Exactly, and that's and a holder will you know will have no chance in hell then for his reputation because he will you know. Resign in absolute uh, shame, right. which is what they all have to resign in. Right. They all have to resign with their heads down, and uh, you know some. Uh, I'd love to see him in the, the, the orange jumpsuit. Yeah. you know, kind oh, of yeah. thing. Do do the whole perp walk. You know. <laughs> have you ever drawn a, a a cartoon, Bosch, with all of them in orange jumpsuits? No, but that's. Wouldn't, couldn't you okay, just do it? On. I mean, that would just provide I thought about, such I thought a nice making a shot of picture, no. I thought know? about making a shot of uh, Congress, Senate, and Obama, and an entire administration, and everyone there <laughs> with a shot. You know, you know when they take those shots right. with uh, with uh, bars in front of them. Oh. You know I mean, <laughs> that or orange jumpsuits. You know. Oh. No, but it's just it's like a criminal organization now. It's. It's naked. Washington at large is, is what I'm saying. These are criminals. And there was a few good guys trying to trying to bring it back to some semblance of reality. But this is just, it's gone. It's, it's intolerable is what it is. And um, it, it, we're sensing rumblings of something, some kind of uh, payback. We'll see. 
Right. We'll see. Nielsen here in the chat room says it's time for us to go to at least twice a week. I appreciate that 100%, yeah. and I am tempted. Yeah, we would love to. But if you knew, and there's some things that are on my plate that I cannot even discuss right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be able to discuss soon. And, you know, also with my privacy book that I want to get out, if I devote more time doing the show, it's going to be less time to a project like that. And like I said, I could see a year from now doing a, a switch and focusing more on the show and maybe even going the five day a week yeah. like a real yeah. grown up talk show host <laughs> but I cannot see doing it now given my uh, my list of obligations and I think if I told them to you Nielsen that you would you know completely understand just fill in for Rush Limbaugh twice a week that's it okay <laughs> just just do that well and sometimes I fill in for Tammy Bruce yeah. and so on those weeks I'm doing yeah. two three days depending so th- I, I like to keep open to do that as well I love filling in for her and, and her audience is, is an excellent one some of the people yeah, who come over here have come here because of Tammy Bruce they're very supportive. so let's go ahead and dive in because we've just got this list Bosch um, there is one thing well, I wanted to do wake up first hold on <laughs> I want to do one thing and it's kind of in the nature of housekeeping people might remember that Peter Schwartz had made a blog post in which he discussed the basically a moral evaluation of Edward Snowden and he said as, as reprehensible as what the NSA is doing is, and it's he, he used the word reprehensible, I believe, right? Morally reprehensible? Who, uh, Schwartz, when he was discussing what the NSA, he said uh, it was yes, bad, and yes. I think reprehensible. Uh, he said that, uh, but he said that what Snowden was did worse. was worse. And then I responded, and I give you a link to that response, the brief response to Peter Schwartz on Edward Snowden, and I kind of go through point by point and, and answer all the things that he said. And then he came back and he had a little bit more evidence that maybe there was a little bit of a wrong motive on the part of Edward Snowden. As far as I can tell, anything in terms of Edward Snowden's motive, he did have an intention of looking at the U.S. surveillance of foreign nationals and exposing a lot of that. But there is some surveillance of foreign nationals, like, for instance, Merkel, in Germany, that I agree is stuff we shouldn't be doing, right? So it is true that I think there's a little element in Snowden where he's a bit influenced by Ron Paul, you know, and, and uh, you know, don't do too much surveillance. So there's maybe a little bit of that foreign policy in him. But I saw very little of that in terms of the actual documents that have been released, the leaks and stuff that have been out there, the the stories predominantly highlight surveillance of foreign nationals that we shouldn't be doing, right? I'm perfectly fine for us to surveil the terrorists. I am completely not in line with a Ron Paul, Rand Paul, I assume Rand Paul, foreign policy. A lot of it is conjecture about uh, Snowden. I mean, it really is. I think people have their opinion. And then they have to justify that opinion and really look for something which is not much out there, if not anything. I don't know. But in any event, what I did try to do then, and I didn't really respond to it formally on my blog or anything, but I was posting on Facebook, as I recall. And I posted a quotation from Ayn Rand. And and the premise was, assume that Snowden did do something that was wrong, which would either be inadvertent or that there was some element of, of his motivation or you know, the what, what's the bigger context? That's, uh, you know, that's well, you have to think of the bigger context, right? And so this is a quotation from Ayn Rand's essay, Man's Rights. 
that I posted, and I don't know if I posted the entire uh, that I'm, uh, the, the entirety of what I'm about to quote to you, but it's about this that I posted. I didn't want to dig through all of my Facebook history, but this is from Ayn Rand's essay, Man's Rights. Quote, potentially a government is the most dangerous threat to man's rights. It holds a legal monopoly on the use of physical force against legally disarmed victims. When unlimited and unrestricted by individual rights, a government is men's deadliest enemy. If it is not, uh, excuse me, it is not a, as a protection against private actions, but against governmental actions that the Bill of Rights was written. And so at the beginning, when you talk about in terms of criminals, right, no. cr- criminals are a potentially, are, are a smaller minority. That, that's actually from earlier in the, in the piece. So if you contrast the danger that's supposed to be posed by a criminal or, you know, someone like Snowden, who I think is mostly 100% awesome, but you might say he did one a little bit element of negativity in what he did. You know, there's a little bit of a bad effect. Which is part of it. I mean, I think right. that's part of his... Our government is way more mm-hmm. out of control, and particularly what they're doing with the NSA is poses way more of a danger. So I posted that. And I had written Leonard Peikoff and said, you know... I think Peter Schwartz, I think I told him that Peter Schwartz had responded and then I had posted this quotation from Ayn Rand comparing the danger posed by criminals to the danger posed by government. And this is what Leonard wrote to me. And he actually said, if you ever discuss this again, go ahead and say this. He says, say that, and he says, indicate that I strongly object, this is quoting from Leonard Peikoff, indicate that I strongly object to any negative characterization of Snowden in regard to the action of exposing the NSA and that they can hear my podcast for my explanation. And yeah, go look up Snowden at peakoff.com. And he says, you can add that, in my opinion, anyone who finds fault with him in this regard does not understand the nature of the world in which we live nor the proper application of philosophy to it. End quote. That's just typical Leonard being very upset about what he regards as an error of the application of philosophy. There are... Errors. He's had the, the same position about the ground, the ground zero mosque, with some right. other objectives have disagreed with. Yeah. But he was so dead on about that. He's so dead on about this. I mean, he just keeps proving why he is Ayn Rand's greatest student. He just keeps proving it. I mean, right. through and through with these all these major issues. There are there are disagreements to be had everywhere. We've got some disagreements about some of the Supreme Court opinions that we're going to actually just one of the Supreme Court opinions that we're going to talk about this week. So we'll go ahead and check that out. Now, what's going on here? Oh, they're talking about some stories about officers. Um, Tom in the chat room says he has no hopes for foreign policy. Even Cruz sucks. I suppose he at least identifies Islam. Cruz is Cruz does a suck in foreign policy. He's, he's, I mean, pro- he's probably the best he has. better than almost everyone in Washington. But he's, he won't be ideal to us. He won't be, you know, what we would do. He would not do what objectives would do. Absolutely not. No. But in terms of calling out the enemy, of uh, rejecting... Using the word jihad of, repeatedly. Using the word jihad. I mean, yeah. that's just, to me, that's a, incredible to hear from a politician in Washington today. They would never say that. Well, let's go ahead and... No, no, let's argue about... Uh, Jihad and Cruz. I'm joking. No, let's not argue about Jihad and Cruz. Let's jump in because I do want to get started on this. This is Riley versus California. It's a case that was actually joined with another case, which was United States versus Worry, I believe it's pronounced W U R I 
E. And if you go to the link that I have at my blog, it's actually the link to the opinion. And I read the opinion a couple days ago, so you'll have to bear with me as I go through some of my notes. But everybody knows what this case is about. It is about whether, as part of a so-called search incident to arrest, there is something called a search incident to arrest. If the police lawfully arrest you, there is a limited amount of search that they are allowed to do just as part of the arrest. And they don't have to get any special separate warrant in order to do this amount of searching. And it seems that in recent years, there are a couple rationales behind the search incident to arrest. One of them is that, suppose you're arresting somebody, you need to find out whether they have a weapon on them mm. so that they because they might use it to harm you or kill you or resist arrest, right? So there's that. I think that's pretty obvious. Mm. The second one is that the police are entitled to get whatever items that are immediately within the physical control of the arrestee that are potentially evidence, physical evidence. And so what the police have been trying to do, and they have successfully done in California for quite some time, at least since 2011, probably a lot of time before that, but I think the other uh, decision, the Supreme Court decision in California was 2011, so it's been going on for a while. In California, they said, if there's a cell phone there, go ahead and search the cell phone as part of the search incident to arrest. And the question is, is that fine? Can you go ahead and swipe up a cell phone as well? Or do you need to get a separate warrant for that? And that's what the Riley versus California appeal was about. And I think it was an, a, an actual smartphone that was involved in that case. And then in the other case, the United States versus Worry, Vuri, I don't know how you would pronounce the, the name. In that one, you've got a flip phone. There isn't as much information, but still, even on today's flip phones, there can be quite a bit of information, address books, all kinds of photos and things like this. And apparently, uh, Vuri had some of those on his. So what did the court hold, hold? The court held that no, you cannot search a cell phone as part of the search incident to arrest exception to the warrant requirement of the Fourth Amendment. Remember, the Fourth Amendment says you can't do any unreasonable searches and seizures. A warrantless search is presumptively unreasonable. You need to get a warrant for a search but there are these well-established carved out exceptions and one of them is this search incident to arrest and i would say of course the search incident to arrest the purpose of which would be to get these weapons off of the arrestee that's perfectly reasonable you might wonder whether the you know in order to get physical evidence whether that should be allowed or not but you might say okay look if it's stuff that's right within the reach of the person, physical stuff right within the reach of the person, that it probably is fair game as part of an arrest to go ahead and grab all that stuff too, physical stuff. Yeah. But then you could say, well, there's a difference between that and a cell phone, right? And what the Supreme Court was really good in doing, and this was a unanimous decision, although you've got a concurrence from Alito, I love this unanimous stuff. It's they say, look, no, you cannot search a cell phone as a search incident to arrest because, in effect, searching a cell phone is like searching a home. And, in fact, 
there's, for some people, a lot more on their cell phone that you would find about them personally than you would find in searching their home. So in a way, it's even more intrusive. And the question is, do you say, okay, well, is this just the Supreme Court kind of pragmatically drawing lines about how much evidence someone's entitled to? And so is this something that really we should have legislatures doing instead? Or can you say that there's some sort of a principle that the court is applying here in distinguishing the search incident to arrest, which is allowed, and the searching of a cell phone incident to arrest, which is not allowed. If, if a police officer now, it's funny that people misinterpreted this. Some some people are saying a police officer can just go up to anyone now, and, or, or they could go up to getting anyone and ask for their cell phone before this. And that wasn't even true. It was incident to arrest. So you would have had to have a lawful arrest warrant then you could get the cell phone. That's how it was in California before this ruling. Now, what they can do, again, only if they have lawfully arrested you, they can take physically your cell phone, they can secure your cell phone, but they cannot look at the information on your cell phone unless they have a warrant. So as a physical object, they're still entitled to grab it if it's within your reach, but they're not allowed to search it unless they have a warrant. So that's how this works. It's not like, oh, you know, now they can grab anybody's phone on the street. Right. Police could just come up to you, you know, and get your cell phone. But, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, right? Uh-huh. Didn't you say one time, Bosch, that uh, you had been pulled over, and I think you had shown your cell phone to an officer briefly for a second? You or? mean recently? Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I think I, I, I held it up, I answered it, I put it back on my knee. Yeah. He thought I was talking on the phone. I said, no. I said, literally, I just I accept the phone call, put it back on my knee while I was driving. Right. And uh, he did pick it up. And he did ask to see the the time of the call and how long I was on the phone. If I if it was actually, as I said, it was within, within a minute. Right. And he, he looked at that, totally let me go. No ticket, no nothing. Now, that's, you know, technically, could he do it today? I mean, uh, to, 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 to see the contents of it? I don't know. Well, you wouldn't be arrested, so it would but be I, basically. Be I had no problem you. with what he did because he assumed I was doing it. I didn't do that, and uh, I did prove that I was. Uh, you know, I did what I said I, I was doing, and he was to- totally fine with it. Right, right. Well, that was very good. I think you were yeah. pretty fortunate with that. So, I, I want to hear what you guys think about this in terms of is this something where the Supreme Court is making a principal distinction, or is this? Well, the leftists on the Supreme Court don't want their contents of their phone, you know, found because it's for the Communist Party USA, and you know, what I mean, they don't want that. Obviously, right? That's their reason. But the other principal guys probably have better reasons for individual rights and etc. Here in the chat room, they're having some uh, stories. Okay, they're still talking some about the police officers, and let's get where we are. In Utah, you don't even need probable cause. Oh, I think they're talking about something different. Oh, and yeah, they're still talking about uh, Ted Cruz's foreign policy. I mean, some people have said, look, they think, first of all, that the search incident to arrest has no good basis to it anyway. I think that there is clearly a rationale to at least search the person for weapons. And what you might have a question about is whether there's also a rationale that encompasses things that clearly could not be used as weapons but might be evidence. And can they grab those? As part of it. I mean, what do you what do you think, Bosh? I mean, I just my mind is just rolling back and forth with a few different stories and also what was going on there. 
Um, <laughs> Nielsen in the chat room says, the lefties have a lot of gay porn that they have to look through. It's so hard to be a lefty. <laughs> I don't know. What in the world? What is that? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Lefties in particular? I don't understand. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. I, I agree with Rob Abiaria who puts a million question marks after that and says what? Why? And why why is it uh, only leftists that would enjoy gay porn? I don't know. I don't know. And why would lefties be embarrassed about gay porn? That's what I don't get either. I don't know. They're in favor of of that, so anyway. The, the, ch- the chat over here is getting quite interesting. If you want to have a, a very lively discussion, go over to the chat room at Blog Talk Radio. But I myself, right, and I, I actually do think that the search incident to arrest is a valid thing. What I don't see is have a primary rationale for it as being the gathering of evidence. And that rationale was discussed somewhat in the majority opinion, but the majority opinion was clearly premised on the current two rationales for the search incident to arrest. One of them is, you know, the, with the weapons, the issue of physical danger to the cops. And the other one is the issue of getting evidence within the immediate physical control of the suspect. Um, the, what I don't like is what Alito does in the concurrence. And he says, oh, look, the historical rationale is that they can search for all the evidence that they need to prosecute this guy. And I don't think that is right at all. But I think you can have a principal distinction between that old rationale and the current rationale. So I do want to talk about that in a second or two. I realize that we're coming up on a break here. So we're going to go ahead and listen to a little bit of music and we'll talk to you in a couple. Chat room people, we've got a behavior. <laughs> Over here at Block Talk Radio, they're still having says it. that they they all seem to want to hide it. The yeah, gay porn, that's what they all seem to want to hide it. You know, I guess when it comes out, they they all want to. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> this is what happens when it comes to just. But know. I mean, it's it's it, it's the idea of speculating that gay porn in particular is something to be hidden versus just porn. Why not just say porn? State of Defiance has the most important comment in the chat today. Can someone please get Bosch a Starbucks? No, that is significant. That is just... Now, little do you know, State Defiance, that he had coffee just it's my, before. It's my third. Yeah, you have a three yeah. cups and a nap. Yeah. Three oh. cups and a nap. That's very sad. Ed in the chat room is asking whether the decision said anything about phones that are locked. Yeah, and the, the concern that was expressed by the government is that the phones could be locked and encrypted and the question is, could they do anything to prevent it from being locked and things like this? And the court said, we are not moved 
at all by these arguments, basically, um, that this stuff isn't going to come up that frequently. I mean, cell phones lock so quickly anyway that even having a search incident to arrest that you're allowed to have is not really going to prevent it. Um, yeah, he says, for example, iPhones that are locked and, and uh, are encrypted, yeah. And, um, you know, the the idea of being able to search it later, I don't think it's going to make that much difference is what they were saying. The lock time, which means the lock and encryption time, is pretty short. So they were not moved by the idea that you have to have a search incident to arrest. Now, they said if you have another exception to the warrant requirement, like exigent circumstances, then it could be covered. So you could say, okay, well, in this particular case, you know, think of a 24 episode where whatever. Wait, wait 24? <laughs> this past episode, by the way, Jack Bauer did something that was just, you had to stand up on your feet and applaud. It was powerful. I think it might have been the most, I don't know, the most aggressive act he's done with absolute moral righteousness. And that's why, I mean, that led me to make a post on a blog called If Jack Bauer Was a Superhero, dot, dot, dot. And I made Kiefer Sutherland as Pigman. Right. Check it out and, and check out the reasons why. It was just, I'm sorry, it was unbelievable. I still haven't seen it. I need to see it. I got to go. <laughs> I can't be around people who haven't seen that, that, that scene. My life, my life it's is crazy. It's been like five days since. Uh, I got to go. A Take whole, care of a, a, whole, a whole day on photos yesterday. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, just like... <laughs> Great. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'll stay. I'll stay. You'll stay. You'll stay yeah. for the show. Okay, I hope so. And yeah, intravenous Starbucks. We're ready, you guys. In the Please. chat room, they're talking about some intravenous coffee. We can do Maybe it. Maybe I'm not on my game. That's why I mentioned it. He goes, "Damn, Bosch needs that coffee." It, it could sorry. be. Sorry. I mean, it could, that could be a thinking. That could be a thinking. So yeah, we're gonna go ahead and talk about this issue of the exigent circumstances and things like that, what police officers are supposed to do about encryption and remote wiping and all that stuff right after this little break to get back into the show. Okay, we are back here. I didn't even turn off the mic for that one. That's a nice little short bumper there. So Ed in the chat room during our little commercial break here was asking about the issue of iPhones that are locked and encrypted. And that was discussed in the opinion. The majority completely dismissed that rationale as a need to have a routine search incident to arrest. And Ed in the chat room here says, he says, the exigent circumstances in reality happen once in a decade. It's horse pucky, just another way to get around the warrant requirements. He says, look a lot more for exigent circumstances in the future. You know, it could be a situation like I was going to describe 24 when Bosch was waxing. <laughs> it is such a kick in the gut moment. Like, wow. That's what, that's how... The, that's how the enemy should be treated. Okay, okay, enough, enough, enough. I mean, I'm just, I've never I'm seen glad, that. I'm glad that it wasn't a disappointing episode. Let me just say that. 
I want to see. It's so it. unforgettable that I don't think they can match it anywhere near the next three episodes. Last last mm-hmm. episode, it's like this is the climax. Everything else is just anti you know anticlimactic. Anyway, so if there was a bizarre scenario like it in twenty four, where there's information on a cell phone relevant to stopping a drone attack on a major metropolitan area, for example, um, then I could see them using the exigent circumstances exception to the warrant requirement. And that's what the court is saying, basically, that you can't just have a routine search, that at least you're going to have to have a judge review the decision that the police made later. Yes, it's going to be a case-by-case basis. Oh, well, so goes life. And, you know, some people are asking, well, what's the downside for the police? As many people know, I don't know if you remember this, but the current remedy if there was an unreasonable search, a warrantless search that should have had a warrant, they throw out that evidence and often will throw out the conviction based on that evidence. It's the exclusionary rule. I mean, that's really the remedy in this situation. So it encourages police officers to to get that warrant if they don't want the conviction thrown out. It used to be that if there was a warrantless search that the police officer could be prosecuted for trespass he wasn't authorized. And again, we are in the context of we believe that government has the ability to enforce law, that they can compel evidence, that they can arrest you against your will, you know, compel the production of evidence, arrest you against your will in certain circumstances. There are certain delimited circumstances. And um, in that context, I think, yeah, it's, it's perfectly fine to say sometimes there's exigent circumstances it's going to be a rare thing and a police officer who really wants a conviction to stick or doesn't want to be prosecuted under trespass, which doesn't happen anymore, but that's how they used to do it, the police officer would get a warrant, right? And and one of the things that I like that the court pointed out is that it is now technologically a lot easier to get a warrant. Now police officers can email a warrant request to a judge who can receive that warrant request, sign off on it on his iPad, have it back to the police officer within 15 minutes. So this, you know, people, oh, it's going to take forever to get a warrant. You can't do this. It's not always true anymore. Technology is making law enforcement a lot more efficient than it used to be. So I thought that was great. Now, one thing that I liked was that the United States was a party to one of these cases, and nonetheless you have a unanimous finding against the United States U.S. government was arguing in favor of searching your cell phone incident to arrest. And I like the fact that I, I just I keep wanting to call it a smackdown. <laughs> it's such a horrible colloquialism. But I just, I, I, you know, the Obama administration smacking them down. I just, they are so out of control. Well, they're the ones who try to use the modern parlance, all that, all that crap. So right. Now, just in terms of one, one of the things that, people like to do and I of course want to do because as you know from listening to me over and over one of my main concerns is what's going to happen to these cases concerning the NSA bulk metadata collection that those cases are starting to move towards the Supreme Court it's going to be a while before they get there but does anything in this opinion bode well or ill for that now first of all I think the fact that the US government is a party to one of these cases bodes well. So there's that. Um, 
There is something that they said though. So there's a little flaw with the sound. There's and some there's some kind of static, and it I might think pop up more in the actual recording. So maybe you just want to. Uh, no, I'm thinking it's actually in our headphones more than anything okay, I, else. Okay, I, I hope that's the case. That's what I think it is. Okay. Are you guys hearing static over the line out there? Yeah, good. That's what we want to ask. <laughs> Mark in the chat room says he approves of the use of the word SmackDown. Yes. Good. Good. Um, okay, so let me just kind of give you some observations because. Really, this case is completely logically distinguishable from NSA bulk metadata collection. That's your Siri. <laughs> Mr. Sound Connoisseur over there. <laughs> Sets off his Siri. Um, unserious. Unserious. Yeah, so the, they are logically distinct, right? There's this one here. I'm, I'm very glad to see it. I do think that you can have a principled search incident to arrest that would not encompass cell phones. I also think contrary to Oren Kerr, Oren Kerr, uh, he posted a piece on the Washington Post. They have the Volk Conspiracy blog through the Washington Post now. He posted a piece, and I linked to it over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. He posted a piece saying, see, I told you so, and he basically is like Alito. Alito says, I agree with this, but really I think the legislature should be making these decisions. And I think he sees the line drawn between the evidence gathered search incident to arrest and the cell phone. He sees it as just almost an arbitrary line drawing exercise that only legislature mm. should be doing. That it's not a an exercise of an application of principle. Right. And I think you can definitely argue that it's an application of principle. That's the kind of thing I'd love to hear you guys call in on if you want to talk about it. It might be a little weird and abstract for you guys. Whatever. If you're interested in it, call. You can talk about it with me. 760-888-5817. 760-888-5817. Let's go back to this. But... Um, this, this this whole thing, I'm glad to see it, but I think it is logically distinct from them, those NSA bulk metadata cases because you're not talking about the government routinely gathering a bulk metadata. This is a search incident to arrest situation. You've got an arrest, and the question is how much can they get? So you've already got a probable cause and particularized suspicion about a person to a certain extent, and the question is how much can you search? So this, there's not a whole lot that you can pull from it, but there are some things that I looked at, so I'll just point them out to you. One is when the court said that it, uh, in general, prefers to provide clear guidance to law enforcement through categorical rules. Oren Kerr, who I just mentioned, is a well-known defender of the third-party doctrine, and one of his main rationales for defending the third-party doctrine is it's providing clear guidance. It says, look, once you share something with a third party, there's no longer a reasonable expectation of privacy in that. And so, therefore, the court can get it without a warrant. All you have to do is get, you know, the only protection that that information shared with a third party gets is provided by legislation. It's not the province of the Fourth Amendment anymore. To occur... That is a clear rule, and that if he thinks if you abandon the third-party doctrine, then you'd have to do things on a case-by-case -case basis because there is actually originally a rationale for it. So if the court really is kind of saying, look, we like clear categorical rules, one thing they might decide to do, especially in today's context, is keep the third-party doctrine Ugh. and keep it as a categorical thing across the board. However, I think there are some other things 
in the opinion that are a little bit more helpful and hopeful and we'll see what those are here in a minute. So let me just kind of flip through. I gave you the basic scenario, or I actually didn't give you the basic scenario, right? Um, he was This guy, Riley, was stopped by a police officer for driving with expired registration tags. In the course of the stop, the officer learned that Riley's license had been suspended. They impounded his car, and then another officer conducted an inventory search of the car. He had concealed and loaded firearms, and then they also saw that there were items associated with the so-called Bloods street gang. And what they did, did is they looked in the smartphone and they found further evidence in the smartphone that he was associated with the Bloods street gang and went ahead and ultimately charged him with all sorts of horrible stuff. Um, but they searched the phone without a warrant and um, no exigent circumstances were involved at all. So... Um, now, the, the the actual reigning precedent in People versus Diaz, a 2011 court case in California, is that they could search the phone, search incident to arrest. But, of course, now the Supreme Court reverses that. Uh, the other case involved some sort of a drug thing. Yeah, drug sale. There's a flip phone, and the officer looked at the flip phone and discovered there was a cell phone number that was labeled as my home or my house or whatever. And they went ahead and found the guy's house and got a warrant and blah, 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 based on using that information in the cell phone. So it's the same thing. Uh, the First Circuit actually um, went ahead and upheld, actually vacated a conviction. So the First Circuit agreed with the Supreme Court on this in that second case. But in California, um, we had had the situation always, that, or not always, always since 2011, that it was okay for police officers to do this. So um, they go ahead and they talk about, you know, the, the standard doctrine. Since 1914, there has been this exception to the warrant requirement, search incident to a lawful arrest. And as I said, there was a disagreement about what the rationale for that was. The old rationale was supposedly just that they could go ahead and get evidence that they needed in order to convict this person. It's like once you have enough evidence or probable cause to get a, an arrest warrant, I guess the idea is that you can just go search for a whole bunch of stuff. Thankfully, that is not the current rationale for search incident to arrest. Now the current rationale is divided into a couple things. One of them is the issue of property that is near the person. It's, it's found on or near the arrestee. You can go ahead and get that stuff. But the, one of the main things is the need to um, remove weapons from the person because the person might resist arrest using these weapons, turn the weapons on you. Those are dangerous. So those two rationales um, are the ones that are applied now. And, I mean, you know, one thing you could say in general is that the court is concerned with privacy and it realizes how much information is held on these cell phones. And if they're concerned about uh, warrantless access to the volume of information that is on cell phones, you would assume that they would be similarly sympathetic to needing warrants to gather all the information that the NSA is gathering that we know of thanks to Edward Snowden. But um, I, I love this one line, actually, when they talk about modern cell phones. It says, modern cell phones are now such a pervasive and insistent part of daily life that the proverbial visitor from Mars might conclude they were an important feature of human anatomy. 
I love when they have humor. Supreme Court sometimes does have humor, and it's awesome. Wait, it's not part of human anatomy? <laughs> Maybe <What>? yours. <laughs> I mean... It's true. I mean, it's really true. People have it within them all. I, I think it was uh, most everybody says that they've got it within five feet of their body all the time or something. I can't remember. Five feet? Yeah. That's too far. It's too far. I mean, come on. <laughs> you attach it to your forearm. That's it. Uh, anyway, uh, one thing that I don't like is that they talk about the balancing of interests. They say, well, there's the, you know, let's look at the degree to which something intrudes on an individual's privacy on the one hand, and on the other hand, the degree to which it is needed for the promotion of legitimate governmental interests. And, of course, the way that I would like to see it put is let the government do what it needs to in order to pursue its legitimate governmental interests. But those are going to be necessarily minimal things. Legitimate governmental interests are not going, you know, This balancing test stuff really has got to go, and I don't like the idea that they're still pursuing the balancing of interest, but that's what they're doing these days, right? So so that's, I would say, is kind of a negative in terms of the future. Um, One thing they tried to do is they said, well, you've got to draw a distinction between physical objects versus digital content within a cell phone. And they're saying, well, you can get so much information, so much more information from the digital content, but... If you think of, I mean, obviously this is rare, but how much information can Sherlock divine mm-hmm. from the physical objects around a person or the things that they're wearing? Is that <sighs> obviously that's super rare? But I thought that's that was superhuman too. Yeah, at least the show. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is they said, well, it's not like we're doing a case by case analysis here because a cell phone, the the data on the cell phone itself poses no physical threat at all. Um, And the idea is that it cannot harm an officer, it cannot aid escape. And the only thing that came into my mind, I was thinking, okay, information on the cell phone, how could that cause harm to the officer? And the thing that came in my mind was Monty Python, I don't remember which Monty Python it was, but there is some joke, and it was like a lethal weapon joke. If you heard this joke, (laughs) you would die laughing literally. So I would say that if the joke was on the cell phone and say if you could, you know, trigger that. See, we, we've, we've got to be writers for like sitcoms or something. I don't know. But if you could trigger that cell phone to say the joke, you know, on command, you could, you, you're being arrested and you tell your cell phone, Siri, say the joke. And then Siri says the joke and then they all. Or that die. sound, <laughs> or that sound, that, that song Cop Killer, you know, the Ice Cube or whatever, Ice Tea, Ice something. Well, that's just a song, uh, no. right? But, 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 <laughs> did you, do you see the Monty Python that I'm talking no. about? Oh, you've got to watch it. It's so funny. It's the joke. And, I, and I, you know, if I ever got into Monty Python, I've, I've lost respect for him. Um, one of them, one of the main guys, said that they will not go after Islam. Oh no! So they're cowards. I mean, they're cowards. Right. They won't, they'll go after all religion all the time. Every and then, ooh, ooh, uh, but we won't say anything about Islam. It's pathetic. Right. Um, the court dismissed a couple of arguments that both the United States and California put forth, which were things like, well, you need to get into the cell phone to see if some of the confederates of the arrestee are coming to the scene to try to help him. And really the tradition, you know, the the precedent, which is this case called Schimmel, for the search incident to arrest 
is concerned solely with the arrestee himself, not with information about the so-called Confederates. And what they're saying is if you've got one of these weird cases where, you know, there's all these Confederates of the arrestee who are either going to harm everybody else or come to the scene or do whatever, you've got an exigent circumstance. Use that exception, you scumbags, I was going to say, but I don't know. Loathsome scumbags. <laughs> I think that, yeah. Thank you, Posh. Got to put words in my mouth here. Um, You know, maybe we need a new app that says Siri Encrypt, but the next whole section talks about remote wiping and data encryption. And they say, no, we're really not concerned that, you know, the, the difference between getting remote wiping and data encryption and not is going to be allowing a search incident to arrest. You can secure the cell phone in various ways. Um, The other thing that you can do is just realize that this encryption can happen so quickly. Probably if you're getting some, you're arresting somebody, the phone is going to lock so quickly anyway, you're not going to get into it. So I, I don't know. The, you know. The court says there's little reason to believe that either problem, either the ro- remote wiping or the encryption is, is prevalent. And what they could do is they could go ahead and secure the phone in various ways, like a Faraday bag, as they call it, and um, just get the warrant. You could turn the phone off, remove the battery. They give various suggestions for this. Uh, but otherwise, exigent circumstances is your friend. That's what you need to do if you actually think that there's some evidence going to be destroyed. If you have reason to believe in a particular case. Oh, Ed Powell in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio has found the video of Monty Python, I assume, because he was also talking along with it. It's called Kill, Killer Joke. You do have to watch it. Earl says he remembers. That is what came to my mind when I was reading that part of the opinion. So, so it wasn't Islam means peace? That wasn't the killer joke where people just die laughing? <laughs> that, that wasn't it? It could have been because the whole premise of... But they don't show it because it's just... It's, but see, we, we would have... Because if you, if, if you hear a joke, you die. So well, that's why we, they didn't show it. Actually, you know what? That's it, Bosh. We're all dead right now. <laughs> Damn. Are we in heaven? Yeah. I don't know. We're nowhere. We're in purgatory because Obama's president, wherever yeah, we are. So we're in hell. Yeah. Mm, purgatory? Yeah. Hell? You know, the other day, here, I'm sorry, my brain is working in a random fashion right now, but speaking of describing the situation in which we are right now, it occurred to me either yesterday or day before, probably day before, because yesterday I was playing model. Um, the day before, I think I was thinking about this. When is it right to start using the word oppressed to refer to ourselves? You mean just a thought in terms of the government and what they're doing? Right. We don't I usually mean, call ourselves oppressed at this point, do we? We don't, but I don't remember things being as bad as this. I remember being as violated as this. I don't remember that ever in my life. That our government just come after us in fundamental ways. <laughs> you should find this song for me, Bosh. Heaven is a place on earth. Uh, what? You don't know that song? Do you remember it? Not really. I can't sing it. If I sing it, you guys are all going to turn off the the radio. But, um, yeah, are we living here in purgatory? Are we oppressed? These are things that are in... Well, we're all those, but we can't uh, fall into despair. We've got to keep fighting. And that's all the thing. I mean, no matter what kind of what what state we're in, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have to us. look up "oppressed" in a dictionary and start deciding whether or not I'll that right term now. describes us. Cause it it occurred to me app. the other day to start thinking about whether we should call ourselves an oppressed people. We're Americans, so we don't speak that way. But that's the whole point. Uh, Obama's, you know, one of his things is to make us think of ourselves in that fashion, right. where it's over. 
we're no longer capable of um, you know, achieving happiness. Yes, Belinda Carlisle, Tom says here in the chat room. That's right. Belinda Carlisle, ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Yeah. To treat a person or group of people in a cruel or unfair way, yeah, that fits our yeah. government. Mm -hmm. To make someone feel sad or worried for a long period of time, yes. Mm -hmm. um, that okay. goes on and on, yeah. Here, here's to a burden spiritually or mentally weigh heavily upon to crush or burden by abuse of power or authority. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's one of their things. They want to break our spirit. They want to unmake us, you know, they want to basically uh, make us not American. <laughs> I'm oppressing you right now. That's, right. That's funny. Okay, so let me let me uh, get through a couple highlights of, of this case here because we only got a few minutes left. Okay, so the U.S. asserts, uh, this, this, this is from the court's opinion, which I love. The United States asserts that a search of all data stored on a cell phone is, quote, materially indistinguishable end quote, from searches of the sorts of physical items that they've done in the past, which is a billfold and a dress book in one case, a wallet in another case, a purse in another case, right? Materially indistinguishable, they say, from the cell phone. And I love this from the court. It says, that is like saying a ride on horseback is materially indistinguishable from a flight to the moon. <laughs> Both are just ways from getting from point A to point B. Right. But they say little else justifies lumping them together, right? <sighs> Craziness. But really what they are, they're mini computers. They have immense storage capacity. And as I said, the court talks about you can find as much or more information on yep. cell phones than you can by searching a person's home just, in its entirety. And the, and, the, and the court has rejected that in the past. Yeah. You cannot just, because you arrested somebody, go and search their entire house you without have, a warrant. You need to get a warrant. Just to also, to, you know, in terms of people prying it, you might not even have a library in your house, but you might have it on your phone. Entire library of books and the kind of books that you read. You know, anti-government books, let's say. Some people might even have that. And and they, they talk about not only a range of information, a whole bunch of different types of information, with respect to each individual type of information, there's a huge volume stretching over a long time span because of the vast memories of these devices. So the information is broad in its range and it's deep in the sense of it covering a long period of time, a vast deep quantity of photos, for example, or, you know, email and et cetera. So they were very good about analyzing really what's at stake here in terms okay. of privacy. Josh mm, okay. Same so twice. what do you say? The same crap twice. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah. If people ignore it, then people ignore it. You've just got to... What? I think you have to right-click, no? no? No, no, no. Here, let me see. Huh. Oh, interesting. Huh. This guy found to override. How is that possible? I don't know, but he's got to get out of here. Oh, well, if you're in the chat room, ignore somebody named Josh. That's kind of weird. He posted something stupid twice. Yeah, that's kind of dumb. What can we do? I guess we can't do anything. That's horrible. Okay, continue on here. <laughs> it's a Harrison Bergeron kind of day. Um, so I'm very impressed with the court just realizing what's at stake in terms of privacy. Another thing that I like, and I think this does bode well, is that the court cites Justice Sotomayor's concurrence in United States versus Jones. Remember that Sotomayor's concurrence in U.S. versus Jones is the one in which she 
basically says we should relook at the third party doctrine. We should reconsider whether it's a good idea. So the fact that the court is citing it for another purpose here, I wonder if that's a little signal like, hey, we are sympathetic to the rationale that Sotomayor used in that particular case. I don't know if that's the case, but who knows? Um, I've got more to say about this. So we are going to actually bring this into the second hour. If you want to call and discuss this case, 760-888-5817 is the number to do so. 760-888-5817. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, everyone. So over here at the uh, chat room at Blog Talk Radio, it seems that, uh, yeah, it says we're all perfectly capable of ignoring trolls. Yeah, and I'm sure that's the case. So I, I think we need not bother ourselves with kicking them out. And uh, I don't know why in this particular case we're not able to. Usually we try to spare our loyal chat room participants from dealing with any sort of a hassle or distraction that is unnecessary, that is not inherent in the live radio enterprise. So here we have our little break. And, you know, I did not last week talk very much at all about Audible or what I have been listening to on Audible. As you know, Audible is the audio book seller. And if you want to get a free trial with Audible, if you are not already a subscriber to Audible, then you can do that and help the show in the process by going to the following URL. It's audibletrial.com audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peikoff, A-M-Y-P-E-I-K-O-F-F, and you can get a free trial, have a book to listen to, see how you like the service. The app is really convenient. If you use Amazon Kindle, you can whisper sync your books between the audio version and the Kindle version, so you can leave off in one place with the audio version and then pick up that evening with your Kindle version when you want to be quiet and just kind of read a little bit before bedtime, so that's a cool thing. One thing that I was listening to was a book recommended by Alex Epstein, and I don't think he had actually gone through the whole book yet. He'd maybe gone through the first couple chapters or something, but he'd posted about it on Facebook, and it's called Essentialism. Doug McCowan, I'm not sure if that's how you say his name. Is it Doug McCowan? McCowan. Maybe it's Greg? Greg McCowan. Anyway, Essentialism. If you go to Audible and Google Essentialism or search Essentialism, you'll find it. And I was listening to that book. I actually, I think, listened to almost all of the book, Essentialism. And it is good. It doesn't, if you've listened to a lot of this kind of thing, tell you too much that is new it does rephrase some things and put in a different perspective some of the things that you've seen in a way that i think is good and helpful and you know a lot of the stuff if you're in the process of trying to improve yourself in various ways and improve your life and get the most out of life and you like to study this kind of stuff in the process then you probably would like it um i would say though if you have studied a lot of this stuff 
you maybe wouldn't get too much new out of his book. Now, the author reads it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, he has an accent, which is sometimes interesting. Not It wouldn't be the way that I would pronounce a lot of the words in there, so that ends up kind of, oh, I hadn't heard that before. But you heard some of it, Bosh. Mm-hmm. What did you think? It was good, but yeah, some of it is just, you know, rehashing. That happens a lot these days with these, uh, I guess, self-help books. You know, whether this is considered that, but they usually do speak the same language in a lot of ways, and it's, it's, it's very rare that one just really stands out from the rest. But again, these things, sometimes you, you, you need these reminders. And I love the title of the uh, book, Essentialism. I haven't quite heard it put that way before. And, and, that, and that's the thing. It's, it's the focus that he puts yeah. on this body of material, the, the angle that he takes. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of what I'm going to be doing now with my book and with the upcoming Ocon talk that we've got in a bit here, legalizing privacy, why and how, it is in a way kind of a summation of all the stuff that I've done before. And I've actually had this idea about the third-party doctrine since 2012, but it's only after the revelations from Snowden and and kind of, you know, chewing that and hashing that around that you come at this angle on the whole issue, which is that privacy is essentially illegal today. So, um, I, I sympathize with this idea of synthesizing information that's been out there before from a unique angle, and especially in kind of the self-improvement world, that's a, a value. So, And art also, that could be the case, like Alex Toth, uh, the finest illustrator ever worked in comics, always, spoke, you know, he spoke about economy, economy, um, uh, to, what was it, man, Isaac Stern, um, to add to the truth subtracts from it. I mean, beautiful phrases like that, you know, and that's 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 what he was all about, stripping it to the core, stripping it to the bone, the art, and then drawing the hell out of what's there. So you saw essentialism, the book, as uh, from this yeah. angle as an artist. Oh yeah, absolutely, artist. Yeah. artist, writer, illustrator, as I call myself. Now getting down to the core, stripping it of all fat. That's why I think this season of Twenty Four in particular has a a lot less fat than most seasons. It's really, really good. Yeah, because they know they have to get in and out of this whole huge story yeah. within a certain number of episodes, yeah. and it is done. Yes, and yeah. they're just yeah. really stripped of, it, of, of, of a lot of fat. Okay, we are about to go back into the show. We're going to start our second hour now, and as I said, we're going to continue Riley versus California. Feel free to call in, people, 760-888-5817. messed up there. Amy Peacock, you're listening to the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. 
I've got cartoonist Bosch Boston here in the studio with me as well. And we're going to finish up talking about Riley versus California, which is this week's United States Supreme Court decision in which they said, essentially, if you arrest somebody and you want to also search their cell phone, you need to get an additional separate warrant in order to search their cell phone. You can't use the excuse that you've arrested them already as a pretext. I believe that's the right use of the term. Stephen Bork helpfully corrected me on that, uh, a pretext for um, going ahead and searching that cell phone. So I think that's very good. Now, now I want to say, does this, you know, I just was looking at the situation, does this Supreme Court opinion, this very good holding, does it bode well for the cases on the NSA? Because I would like the NSA bulk metadata collection program to be invalidated, as many of us would. And one thing that I noticed for instance, you know, I, I think this all depends on the third-party doctrine, as I've talked about many times. And one thing that I noticed in this opinion was the court saying that we need a clear rule, a clear bright line rule. You can't start having a bunch of case-by-case rules about, well, in this case, do the cell phone, in this case, not the cell phone. They said, no, if you don't come under an existing search exception, warrantless search exception, then forget it. It's not going to work. You cannot, as a general matter, search a cell phone without a warrant. So that's that. Um, but but, but if, the, if they want that clear rule, then what they might do is they might say, well, we want a clear rule in the third-party doctrine case, and the only way to have a clear rule in the third-party doctrine case, according to leading scholar Oren Kerr, is to keep that third-party doctrine. If that's the case, if they say, we, we need a clear, bright-line rule, they may indeed side with Kerr and say that we have to keep the third-party doctrine, which would mean bulk metadata, fine, as long as you've got legislation that governs it and the government adheres to that legislation, whatever they legislate rules. And then, to use a colloquial term, we're screwed. Um, So that's one thing I think would be a bad sign. One thing I think is a good sign is that in this Riley versus California, the Supreme Court cited Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor, her concurring opinion from United States versus Jones. And those of you who have heard me talk before know that in United States versus Jones, which was the case in which the court said you cannot put a GPS device on the bottom of a car and track that car without a warrant, right? That that requires a warrant. Her concurring opinion said, hmm, maybe we need to reconsider the third party doctrine. That's what she says in there. And that's what really got me thinking about this and and actually inspired me to write the paper that I did. So, um, and this was even before Snowden. But now, now that they're citing this concurrence, it's on their mind. What what Sotomayor said in United States versus Jones is on the court mind. So that could be good. That could be very good. Um, The other thing is, when they talk about, you know, a cell phone search would typically expose to the government far more than the most exhaustive search of a house. Imagine if the court starts comparing the information that's collected through the various NSA programs, PRISM, the collection of the bulk telephone metadata, et cetera, if they apply that concern that they had in this case to those situations, right? They're very mindful of comparing the amount of information yielded from an information collection or a search or whatever to what you get from the house. And we put more online, I think, than we have in our houses revealing about us right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Because there's a lot of our private thoughts that are revealed in that stuff. So that, I think, is 
uh, an optimistic thing. Um, now, you know, another thing that's interesting, one thing that the United States did, and I don't think it should have done this, the United States was a party to one of these cases. And it, according to the Supreme Court, conceded, it conceded that a search incident to arrest exception cannot be searched, cannot be stretched to cover a search of files accessed remotely. That is a search of files stored in the cloud. So there's a, there was this whole part of the opinion where they were saying, well, look, the court was saying, look, the problem is, is that you think you're just searching the cell phone, which is right within the reach of the user, but maybe you're searching the um, files in the cloud. And you shouldn't be able to search files in the cloud because those are remote and the blah, blah, blah. And I would wonder, why would the United States concede that? Why wouldn't they say, well, look, all those files in the cloud, according to the third-party doctrine, they were shared with that third party. And if you've got a lawful search incident to arrest, why not include cloud files too? Because, I mean, after all, you shared them with a third party. You don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy in them, right? But yet the United States conceded that. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, what, uh, what they said here on, on page 21 of the opinion, it says, such a search, if you went ahead and searched the, inf the files in the cloud, such a search would be like finding a key in a suspect's pocket and arguing that it allowed law enforcement to unlock and search a house. Now, isn't it interesting, right? They're saying, you know, yeah, you can't do this because it's like unlocking and searching a house. And yet, isn't that what the NSA is doing every day to all of us? Yes, maybe we need to start using the word oppressed. I mean, so uh, it, was, it was dumb of the United States to concede that in arguing to the court. It, was it, good it seems like a court, personal concession almost when someone says that, when an American says that I am oppressed. I mean, but that's the whole point here, to unmake us as a people. Right. To make us comfortable with this idea that the government's out to get me and it is what it is. I better be careful. That's, that's how they want us. It's exactly how they want us. It's, it's exactly. the totalitarian now, mentality. Now, if you, if you like a little schadenfreude, the government in this case apparently argued both A and non-A. The A that it argued was that it wasn't able to prevent remote wiping. Why? Because it couldn't feasibly disconnect the phone from the network and the blah, blah, blah without being able to search it and stuff. And then in this other part of the opinion, when they want to say, well, look, we want the search incident to arrest and we promise to not search the stuff in the cloud because we know we aren't supposed to get the stuff in the cloud, only the stuff on the cell phone itself. Again, I don't understand why they concede that, but they concede that. So they say, oh, well, if we don't want to get the stuff in the cloud, we can just disconnect it from the network. Well, if you can disconnect it from the network, you can prevent remote wiping. So why are we using that argument? But, you know, lawyers argue A and non-A all the time. They do that. And, in fact, sometimes different lawyers write different parts of the briefs. So it could be that one government attorney wrote one part of the brief and one government attorney wrote the other. <laughs> but I love this. And then they say, they say, well, you know, we could establish a protocol for searching these cell phones incident to arrest and making sure we didn't get the stuff in the cloud that we're not supposed to get, even though it's covered by the third-party doctrine because we're stupid, right? Um, <laughs> but um, that we'll have this protocol. You know, we'll have a government agency. They'll write up a protocol. There'll be a whole bunch of stuff with the pen and the phone and the CFR, and, you know, it'll be, everything will be great. And this is what the court says. The court says, the founders did not fight a revolution to gain the right to government agency protocols. 
excellent. Yes. That was excellent. And I'd, similarly, I'd say the founders did not fight a revolution to gain the right to beg Congress to protect our privacy yes. from NSA snooping. Right. Oh, well, we can have legislation that will rein in the NSA. Yeah. No, sorry. We need principles applied by our Supreme Court to rein in the NSA. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, so, so in any event, uh, police safety and all that stuff is a valid reason, but you, police safety is not at stake in a cell phone. Um, if you had any other standard where you could just go ahead and search for any sort of information, there's no practical limit, right? You know, you don't want to have a case-by-case basis. Um, and, you know, if you, if you had anything less than, look, you have to get a warrant for a cell phone search, the, the court was saying the imaginative police officers can come up with a rationale all the time. Um, now, in, another interesting thing is they talk about, oh, well, and, and this is where the government actually does bring in the Smith versus Maryland rationale to search some things on the cell phone. It says the government relies on Smith versus Maryland, right, which is the third-party doctrine case, which held that no warrant was required to use a pen register at telephone company premises to identify numbers dialed by a particular caller, end quote. And then all the court said here is that the call logs that are in a cell phone contain more information than whatever was covered by Smith versus Maryland. Uh, so, for instance, in the worry case, it was uh, the label my house, right? The number that you dial is one thing, but the fact that you label it as my house in the cell phone is a, is a whole different thing. So they didn't you know, bring up the third-party doctrine issue further in here. That was really the only mention with respect to that concrete issue of telephone numbers. Isn't, you know, isn't a cell phone just having a bunch of telephone numbers? No. There's more than it. Um, now, no, I, they just they just had so many good um, good things here. Let me see if there was another I thing. I called you oh, for yeah, going through the entire thing. I mean, that's, uh, that's no, well, and I, I'm going to go through it a little bit more before Ocon because on the second talk that I'm giving, I'm actually part of a panel on current legal issues. I'm going to be talking about this uh, in a little bit more organized fashion, but here, this is just really first impressions. Here's another thing that I thought was kind of a good sign was that the court put this in the context of so-called general warrants and writs of assistance. He says, our cases have recognized that the Fourth Amendment was the founding generation's response to the reviled general warrants and writs of assistance of the colonial era, and then they brought up all of that history. And the fact that they're saying, look, what we are doing is rejecting this in this case, this idea of a general warrant. Now here they're talking about a warrant with respect to a particular person, but the general warrant could also apply to a broad swath of indistinguishable people. So if, if they're on this idea of looking at Sotomayor, right, rejecting general warrants, comparing the amount of information gained to the information that they would get if they searched your home, right? I think that some of those things are a good sign with respect to the NSA bulk metadata collection cases, but I am not in the business of prognosticating Supreme Court at all. Um, I was lousy with respect to the Obamacare ruling, as were so many of us, and especially I was completely stupefied when we were watching the coverage of the reporting of the Obamacare ruling, and at first they said it was invalidated, yes. and then they said it was upheld as a tax. Yes, they so said the individual mandate. What was, a roller coaster yeah, that it was! It was so 
it was sick reporting, Ashley. They didn't get the, they didn't do the job. They they misled themselves and us at the same time, which was shocking because we thought, oh my God, it's overturned. And they and they said that they used those terms. Right. And then say, oh, um, actually, I said, oh, okay, thanks. Very ugly. It was shocking, actually. It yep. was. It was. It was. And so I would say nobody really saw that coming. But I'm not going to even try to necessarily predict. What I reject for sure is what's going on in the concurrence, Justice Alito, and then also I said Orrin Kerr, who I linked to at my blog at DontLetItGo.com. He was he was talking about this issue of having legislatures make these rules, having legislatures do it, and I think that that's wrong. What we need to do is we need to have the court apply principles to a context and issue principles for applying that. You know, the idea that we have technology doesn't mean that there's an excuse to abandon principles and the idea of applying principles, and therefore we're in the realm of legislatures, you know, having their expert testimony and lobbyists and pressure groups and everything else. If everything's going to be held at the mercy of that simply because of technological advancement. I think that's a really sad state. And and the idea that the historical, the ancient rule on searches incident to arrest is based exclusively or primarily on the need to just get evidence, the fact that that's the tradition doesn't mean it's the right rule. I think if you look at the a legitimate government function, which is that, yes, police officers do need to forcibly arrest people, and that sometimes when they forcibly arrest people, there's going to be weapons or other pieces of relevant evidence that's right nearby the person. They can just, as a practical matter, in terms of doing something that they're legitimately entitled to do, grab that stuff and look at it, right? I think that's fine. But it's physical stuff that is necessary to address in the context of performing a legitimate government function. It's not ransacking the equivalent of the person's house. Right. So I think you can make a clear distinction between that, those things. And it is true, you know, you somebody might be happening to carry on their person a folded up piece of, a piece of paper that contains the results of an HIV blood test or something super personal. It might happen, right? And then yeah, the police might actually get that information. But the the idea of a whole volume of information which is on the current modern cell phone, nah. Right. You know, and, and there's just there's just no need. And I mean, whether there even be a need to unfold those pieces of paper anyway, we could talk about that. You know, the search incident into arrest rule might itself need modification, but there is a legitimate reason, I think, to have a search incident to arrest. My two cents. 760-888-5817 if you want to call and agree or disagree. Nielsen in the chat room says, what stops them from getting a warrant after they arrest you? Exactly. And that's what the court said. The court said, hey, you want to search these cell phones? You can do it. Just get a warrant. Damn it. They didn't say damn it, but they almost did. I mean, the tone of it was get a warrant. And actually, let me let me see if I can find that last little bit that people were gleefully quoting all over the Internet, because it is just so satisfying, especially when one of the parties is the U.S. government, right? It says, uh, modern cell phones are not just another technological convenience. With all they contain and all they may reveal, they hold for many Americans, quote, the privacies of life, end quote. Now, that's kind of Brandeis-esque 
uh, <laughs> language, right. which makes me not very happy. So let right. me just call that a negative there. But anyway, it says, the fact that technology now allows an individual to carry such information in his hand does not make the information any less worthy of the protection for which the founders fought. Our answer to the question of what police must do before searching a cell phone seized incident to an arrest is accordingly simple. Get a warrant. Damn it. <laughs> Get a damn warrant. <laughs> so I love it. It's awesome. Well, um, you know what? We, we tend to, in some way, especially in, in the climate right now, six years into Obama, just about overreact to these kind of you know rulings and others. But I don't blame us, you know. You mean for being too happy about we it? We need a win. I mean, As we, Earl, we need a I win. Mean, look what Earl says Absolutely. over here in the chat room. He says, government schadenfreude is the best schadenfreude. Yes. Right now it is. Yes. Why? Because I'm, I'm actually seriously starting to consider using the term on a regular basis, that we are oppressed. Yes. I mean, it's, 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 no, but that's what, what I'm saying. But what, we're if I, not, what if I use that term? Is that going to make us feel bad? No, but we're not. No, but that's like, the whole thing. Is it going to make us feel worse than but we think, should? We defend ourselves from even using those terms because, you know, that's not us. That's not, well, you know what? Look around. Look what they're doing to us. And it's an acceptance of reality, you know, without submitting to it. You know what I mean? It's an acceptance without submitting to the despair. You know what I mean? But it's an acceptance of reality and then keep kicking their ass back and forth. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You don't just take it. You get off, up, off the mat and keep going no matter what. But, yeah, it's, it's uh, that term. I think it's, you know, we don't want to think about it. Right. You know what I mean? We don't want to keep saying it to some extent, but we do want to acknowledge it because – that is what, what's happening. We cannot do certain things. Absolutely not that we were able to years ago. We, we, we just can't. And that's unacceptable. It's, it's become intolerable. I mean, that, that's the one word that, that I use again and again. And um, I said the other day, I said the two parties we have, the Democrat Party and the uh, Democrat Republican Party, are the reason why the Tea Party exists. And that's why it is intolerable. And that's why it, the Tea Party will not die. They keep saying Tea Party, Tea Party. That's a wish. That's a prayer on their part. Right. It's coming for them. That Cochrane election the other day, the little bit that I let myself oh, hear about man. it was way too depressing. It, it's even too, uglier yeah, than they yeah. know because the, now they found someone who is actually a Democrat operative who's working with the Cochrane and some others uh, trying to smear um, McDaniel as a racist. So let, let's plow through a few of these, and then there was one something that you wanted to get to as well. But let me get through because I'm feeling horrible about this long list of program notes over at don'tletitgo.com and we've talked about Riley versus California well, almost exclusively. Pick and choose. I mean, you got you got to number them so you yeah. don't have to go through yeah. them. Well, um, the Supreme Court narrows president's recess appointment powers. Basically, it is a unanimous smackdown of these recent recess appointments that he did because he said, tried to argue that they weren't in recess. He knew he couldn't actually, do it. They no, but, were. Well, he knew he couldn't do it. And he tried and to get away with it. Get, get, that's, what he's, that's why I got this one drawn. I said, uh, impeach me if you can. It's a poster of Catch Me If You Can, the, right. the, the, the DiCaprio movie. Impeach me if you can. Right, right. And who knows if they're actually going to do it. But in, in any event, so they unanimously smack that down. But there is a good argument, definitely made by Scalia, that there has been a narrowing of the Senate's power or yeah, mostly the Senate's power for staying in session, and a broadening of the president's power in this opinion. Now, here's the thing. Some people were taught, you know, comparing apples and oranges, like, okay, well, Riley versus California versus this one. This case concerns a more procedural 
issue, right? We can have legitimate disagreements about what the proper balance of power is between the president and the Senate concerning recess appointments and the blah, blah. So while it may be the case that there is a broadening of the president's power in this, there's a lot of people who are arguing like it's the end of the world that there may have been a broadening of the president's power. Um, as, I, as I understand it, all they have to do is every three days the Senate comes in and opens and closes a little session, and then boom, they're not in recess. And it's still the Senate who gets to decide whether they're in recess or not. But so whereas who's, the rules, who's in charge of the Senate? Well, it depends. Right? His partner. Well, no, no, no but, but Obama's partner in crime is what I'm saying. Okay, but he lets him get away with it. No, but 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 what happens is, is I think that other people can still come in and bring the Senate okay. into session, even though Harry Reid doesn't want to. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened before, right? Okay. Harry Reid would have rubber stamped every single right. appointment that Obama. I don't, I'm not 100 percent on 100. percent I'm saying I'm they're not, they're, I'm not, I'm not they're working together behind the scenes, and they'll right, figure right. out a way but, to yeah. But I'm I'm not five percent on Senate procedure, right? But what I do know is that if Harry Reid wanted to make sure that the Senate was in recess so that Obama could have carte blanche with his appointments, then he would have done that. Yeah. And obviously they didn't do that because they came in and, you know, called right. it in every every so often. So I don't know whether that was part of a deal or whatever, but it's easy enough to keep that going. And this is a procedural thing. I'm not saying it's the end of the world at all. And, and you know, who knows, they're going to come back and maybe elect somebody good. This is probably the best that we could have hoped for in a week at the Supreme Court right now. A couple of smackdowns to yeah. the Obama a administration. Tiny, tiny rollback. Yeah. You know what I mean? A, a tiny rollback. Yeah, Say exactly. Say stop. Exactly. Stop. We have got a call over here at Blog Talk Radio, 760-888-5817 is the number to call. And I'm going to go ahead and, and take it in a couple minutes here. Ed, I see that you've called in, so we will check that in a minute. Um, let me talk about one other thing here that I just wanted to say kudos. There is a case in the D.C. Circuit in which the D.C. Circuit struck down a tour guide licensing law. There had been a requirement that tour guides in D.C. get licenses. Imagine that, you know, controlling what they can say about the tours that they give in Washington, D.C. and stuff. So you can see very quickly that it could be a free speech violation. Do they point to Harry Reid and say, look at this scumbag? That's right. And people say, yes. <laughs> Over they... here, we have a scumbag. Over here, we have another scumbag. Scumbags right? galore. Oh, your license is revoked, right? So and I think the Institute for Justice had a lot to do with this case as well. You can check out the story about that over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com where you can find all of the things that in my dreams I want to discuss on today's show. We'll get to see if I, if I do it pretty soon. So we're going to be going to a short break here, and I'll talk to you in a few. Okay, I think I'm going to go ahead and pick up our call here from Ed, and let's see what we got. Hi. Hey, how, how are you doing, doing today? I'm good, doing good. good. Oh, I just uh, I called in because about the uh, about the Senate thing. Um, 
neither house can adjourn without the concurrence of the other house. So it, it, obviously, ah. if, uh, if Harry Reid is a minion of Barack Obama, I, I think, honestly, yes. it's the other way around. But um, so he could have adjourned. <laughs> Um, you know, he would have adjourned and let all these appointments go through, but he can't because he needs the concurrence of, of the house, and the house would ah. get it. So that's so we were, why. So we were we're, we're only we're only saved we're saved partially because of the house. The house is doing a little bit to slow the uh, progress. Yeah, and of course they did that thing, the nuclear option, where they can you know vote with just a simple majority, which. The, the vote itself violated the, the rules, and so now there are no rules in the Senate. But um, but read. But there are other rules that slow things down, and the Republicans are doing that. So that's kind of, that's that's kind of good. The problem is there's all these rulings by the NLR, the National Labor Relations Board (NLRB) right. uh, over the year between the time when they were, they were illegally appointed and when the time uh, Reed pushed them through using a nuclear option. And of course, all those rulings are null and void, but the problem is the courts can't just say that. They have to litigate every single one of these rules. And it's just gonna be an absolute mess. Well, let me, let me um, ask you this question, because I, I, I heard about this, Ed, and one of the fixes that they said is that all they had to do is have the new NLRB rubber stamp all the stuff that came before like if there's a new nlrb that is validly appointed that you just have there, to basically there, it sort of is yeah the problem is it's it, you can't do ex post facto laws or regulations so any regulation that went into effect and had right. an right on some company you know i mean it's just it's just going to be a disaster a disastrous you know huge amount of litigation over these things even if the rules are valid today they weren't then and they affected the company then possibly negatively, you don't know, and, and that's kind of that's kind of the thing. So so what the, what's the, what's the, your what's your prediction of what's gonna happen to all these rules then? You know, I don't know. I think I think some of them are gonna be fought uh individually if the companies took a hit for some way, especially if there were um, you know, uh the the one of the new rules was to make it easier for unions to call elections. And so, because okay. um, they limited the time used for companies to be able to respond to elections, there's a bunch of that stuff. And suppose uh, an election was held, and a union and under the new rule, illegally done, and then a union was appointed. I mean, the company would certainly litigate to try and get that overturned, right? So you'd have to go to the status quo ante and then fight the union election again. It's, it's, I think it's going to be a mess. I think it's going to be potentially mm -hmm. dozens, if not hundreds of, of individual lawsuits that are going to take two years to go through the system. You know, it's, well, the, on, the on, on that optimistic right note, hey, can I, uh, can I, can I put you on hold here for a second while we go to a little sure. break and we'll be right back. Okay. Hold on, please. You betcha. Okay, we are back, and we're in for our last segment here. And I am talking to Ed here on the phone. Welcome back, Ed. Hey. And 
So, so Ed, we were Let's talking talk about, about something important. Let's what do you mean? We were, talk, we were talking about talk something about important. Your, your photography session yesterday. Let's talk oh, about no. that. <laughs> um, so what, like why I was doing it or what? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Was it for your book or something? I mean, was, well, it, was it for like the, the back of the book? Here, here's the idea. So there's this cool photographer up in Los Angeles that an uh, actor friend of mine had do some, you know, headshots and stuff for him before. And I had thought for a while about getting in for a session. And, and this guy's booked all the time. And he'll do these kind of quirky little inspiration, you know, inspired kind of uh, one-off sessions. And he'll say, look, I'm in, I'm in the mood to do this sort of session all day long with a bunch of different people. Who's in? It's a little bit cheaper price than I normally charge. And, you know, sign up if you want to go. And so a while ago, I just signed up and said, okay, I'm going to go do this session with this guy because my friend got these really cool photos from him. And I haven't had professional photos taken for, I'm thinking, nine years. I mean, not serious. Like I had, I had one photo taken at Chapman when I did a little bit of commentary on privacy in their magazine. So I had one professional photo taken then, but I, just, I just haven't done it forever. Okay, I'll go do it. And then I said, okay, well, uh, I met this woman who does makeup. Hmm, I'll get my makeup done. And little do you know, sitting for that makeup is an hour, one hour, actually, actually more than an hour, I think, to put all that makeup on. And it's not that it, you know, hid some horrible thing that I have. Well, it brings out what you have. Right. It's it's an art, I guess. It's an art. I don't know. It enhances what you have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it was, it was kind of a fun thing to do, but it's not like I do it very often. So I kind of made a little big deal out of, uh. And I think I've had makeup done by somebody else in my life a handful of times or fewer. So <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just kind of fun. But it, it's something that, I, I, I mean, it does make a difference. You understand why these models look the way they do in the magazines because the makeup and then, of course, yeah. retouching on the photos if you get that. Yeah, Photoshop. Photoshop, yeah. You have to Photoshop yourself next, next, to, next time. Anyway, well, say, no, I thought that was funny. no, but I, but I thought the thing that you brought up was more important than that, which is the issue of educating us about the fact that the reason Harry Reid couldn't put the Senate into recess is because the House prevented him. That procedurally, the Senate can't be in recess unless the House allows it as well. So that was, I think, an important point, just to correct me on my lack of procedure knowledge. So that was, that was good. Uh, but yeah, the, right. the NSA—I mean, excuse me, the NSA—the NLRB rules, the prediction of the mess that's going to happen. You know, the opre moi le déluge. It sounds like a deluge of courts cases. It's gonna yeah, that be was kind of Bill Whittle. Bill Whittle had a video, opre moi le déluge, uh, which goes through this. Um, the uh, on on the on the cell phone searching thing. You know, obviously, I have a lock on my cell phone, and you have a lock on your cell phone. Um, right. The uh, so the ability is for the police to wait. To how do you know look. I have a lock on my <laughs> cell phone? Are you the you NSA? Unlock it. Did you try to no, unlock your cell? Because I know you have an iPhone and I know you are uh, relatively smart. Um, and of course, you have it set up so that it will completely erase the phone after ten failed attempts. Right? That's very important with iPhones, so they can just. Keep, keep you don't want to do five because you might be I'm really joking. stupefied, <laughs> tired, and trying to punch in that number. So ten is probably good. Yeah, right? tired. That's 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 the tired. That's it. No, we would never drink too much. It would be tired. Um, 
Yeah, so, I mean, you do that. The, the thing is there, there might be side-channel attacks that they can get at the phone. Um, we don't know, bugs in the uh, encryption and, and whatnot. Uh, the, the Apple paper on how they secure the iPhone is, is, is very confident that everything, all user data is encrypted as soon as you... But get, uh, get a little of this. I, I was, when, I was reading, when I was reading Greenwald's book or hearing from... I can't remember. Did you finish you know, it? Did you, I didn't did finish, you finish it yet. Greenwald's I'm sorry. Book? I was I was busy oh being God. a model, you know. It, my my brain just lost. It just <laughs> anyway. You're a model, exactly. Exactly. I just it's like all focusing about looks and forget about substance. But when I was uh, thinking about the issue of the NSA bragging that they intercepted devices and modified them, I was remembering yeah. the fact that the current iPhone that I own right now, I had gotten a notification that it was being shipped. And then it was delayed mysteriously. Hmm. What do you think? I I, I think you're I think you're uh, I think you're, every word of, of, that you're saying is being monitored. I, I think you really just you know throw the phone away. There's a great no, seriously. There. They Either ship them directly tell, from China. Can I just now, tell them off right? all the time? I, I would just like to tell them off all the time. Yeah. That could be fun too. But. They, they ship the Apple product. I mean, the last Apple product I got was shipped directly from China. I got the shipping notice, you know, it's shipping from somewhere near Shanghai, and it's going to be here. But the problem is it gets to U.S. Customs, and right. it could wait for five minutes, or it could wait for five days, or it could, could wait for five weeks, depending on what the customs people do, because, you know, they search some fraction of the, the stuff, and yours might be in that, and so it could uh, get the day. Uh, you know, could could get delayed. Um, here, here, here's an important question for you. I have an important question for you. So Earl in the chat room over here is playing the contrarian. He's saying that if we had a regulatory licensing scheme struck down on First Amendment grounds in the D.C. Circuit like we just did, which I think is awesome, he says, then you cannot sign on to the idea that we are truly oppressed. You can't use the word oppressed in the big picture. If you are oppressed, do you have to be oppressed totally, or can you use the word oppression validly if you're just oppressed a lot and not totally? No, I, th- I, I think we aren't oppressed totally. Obviously, we're not living in a totalitarian state. Right. But if you, try and, uh, if you try and create a business in certain jurisdictions, it's extremely, ver- it's extremely hard and burdensome, and I think it is oppressive in that it's perfectly reasonable to say that we're oppressed. I, I personally, I, I don't feel that I'm particularly oppressed uh, one way or the other, but I'm an employee of a company, right? I mean, you go, you work, you get paid, you come home, you know, uh, nothing. But, you know, if you try and start a business, and they, they just they just run you down in, in some of these places. And the, the I mean, occupational what, what, what thing, about, of course, What about absurd. the data gathering, though? What about this data gathering, right? The data gathering is becoming completely total. This This idea of the... Panopticon. I mean, it's here. They're going to put all of our personal health data into a huge government database that's going to be managed or mismanaged in ways that give information, personal information about you to people you don't want to have it and have no legitimate purpose having it, right? Well, the government has never... Yeah, I mean, certainly that's true. The government has never been able to manage a large database in the history. Uh, It's just never done it. it, it, And so they will completely screw up the health database. Um, far beyond anything you can imagine. But right. I, I agree, there's too much information. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think Greenwald's book, at the end, when he talks about kind of the principle of privacy and kind of what what you lose, it, you know, what you lose as an individual 
um, when there is no privacy. Um, if you're in the mean, you know, if you're very conventional, if you do conventional, I'm very conventional, I go to work, I get home, I go to the store, I have cats, it's very conventional. It's not me who's going to lose by the surveillance. It's the people at the sort of fringes, margins, with new ideas, different ideas, new businesses. You know, we lost the Aereo case last week. The Supreme Court struck down or right. sided with the government against Aereo. That was, that was an oppression there. I mean, I think Aereo had a very interesting business model. Um, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I'm a, a customer of a cable company because I have to be, and I, I've used DirecTV. But, you know, the... Those companies are the cable, local cable companies are all very cronyist with the local government, the state government. Right. Now, oh yeah. As far as, yeah. as far as Comcast is concerned, it, it basically owns the federal, uh, the FCC and the federal government too. So it's it's very very different difficult to break into that business. And Aereo tried, and they had a great model, and they tried to follow the, the law because they had you know an individual antenna for each subscriber. Right. Right. Exactly. Across the internet. And and that got struck down, and uh, you know that business model got struck down. And, and you know, I would I would I would really like to hear Adam Mossoff from the Center for Intellectual Property discuss that in terms of because someone was saying it was a valid upholding of copyright, and is that really the case, or is it not? Is is it really an issue of the government siding with these crony cable companies? I don't. Yeah, know. I mean, I. I you know, I I personally obviously support intellectual property, but I've I've read a number of things that Adam has done, and I think while he's done some good scholarship, I don't generally agree with his conclusions. Um, the the technological, I mean, the, the the technological realm that we exist in now um, is so alien to the copyright law. I mean, when you when you load a web page onto your computer, you just load a web page. Well, it it gets it gets copied from the web server to you. It gets copied into a cache. It gets copied right. onto the screen. All these, all these copies happen. It's like, well, if you're not allowed to copy that file, the web page is just a file on a server. If, if you're not allowed to copy it, then, then how do you even display it? And if they put yeah, it there, so trying try to try to figure it, out what that I, means, right? I understand trying trying exactly. to figure out what these, these things mean in a, in this context where this is the norm for you know, accessing information on the internet, right. You know, and, and if, yeah, if they, if, if a television network puts, you know, for instance, like Fox 11 in Los Angeles puts a signal out there that can be picked up by HD antennas, why can't I just pick it up myself and put it through some local right. internet or something, right, which is what that company was doing. No, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Roll up so there's again. all these issues. Right. Sorry, There's all these issues with regard to copyright that I think is are not really handled well with the idea of, um, you know, well, you have a book and a Xerox machine, and I'm going to Xerox the book and then sell this copies of the book. That's clearly wrong. But, I mean, with, right. when it comes to the, the Internet and when it comes to, like, I have an antenna on my house, and I have a wire to my TV, I'm copying it there, but can I have an antenna on my neighbor's house? Or maybe we have one antenna for the whole community, or maybe we have one antenna, you know, I mean, there's all sorts right. of things that but the law least, doesn't deal with I, at all. Right, but at least what we got to do is we've got to be in the realm of still applying principles to a context right. and not having this idea of, quote, balancing interests 
And gee, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe the balance of interest is best struck by the legislature and just throw it over there. That's the stuff we gotta really avoid. So, in any event, yeah. I, I mean, with the I, internet, I, with the internet, if you if you take a couch and put it out on your lawn, you know, near the street, it's on your property. It's your couch. Um, right. But you don't expect it to be there next morning, right? I mean, certainly not in my neighborhood. We don't expect it to be there. Because somebody around says, oh, what a great couch, and they take it now. Is that stealing? Well, right. sort of technically, yes. And it's the same thing with you. When you broadcast things into the ether or you broadcast things onto the Internet and you expect to have total control over them and, the, and, the, and the, any deviation from your, your whim is, is, is wrong, and that's kind of kooky. I mean, that, that's kind of wrong. That's kind of doesn't make any sense. So anyway, I I will leave you with that, and uh, you can uh, think about that, and we'll read the book. Read, finish Greenwald's book. Finish reading the book. I need to do that. You're right. This is part of my homework. Thank you very much, Ed, for calling in, and we'll see, see you see you back here in, in the chat Earl, room. Earl does a follow-up if you want to check it out. Yeah, Earl does a follow-up on impression, uh, oppression here in the chat room. He says he uh, about as an architect, because he's an architect, he says, I'll chime in and say that architecturally I'm completely oppressed. The regulatory regime controlling what I can and cannot do with my work is extreme. So in that sense, yes, I am. But then he says in his personal life as a gay man, he's freer than at any time in history. So I'm not sure how to approach the idea of oppression now. You know, I guess you could say also it's, it's contextual, right? So if you felt in the past as a gay man, oppressed and then you have experienced a lifting of that in recent years this is something i'd i'd, I'd be interested to uh maybe ask leonard peakoff yeah. and say do you think context, the term oppressed right. is properly used right now could it be just for certain aspects of life and not just in totality i mean can it be Right, is it you know because you can't say for for instance something is more or less fundamental. Yeah, right. I got I got a smackdown from Leonard on that one. <laughs> you can't say something is more or less fundamental. It's right. either fundamental or it's not fundamental. Right. And is it the same thing with oppressed? Is it like you're either oppressed or you're not? You're pregnant or you're not? You know, I don't know. And this is Freedom Breeze writes something here. She quotes uh, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, quote uh, a citizen. Sorry, what is it? A citizenry. A citizenry oh, that is aware of always being watched quickly becomes a compliant and fearful one. Yes. Yep. Absolutely true. Yes. And that's exactly the the sort of thing he said. Can I put on that thing? Which thing are you going to put on? Basically, to me, it's the equivalent, semi, uh, the equivalent of what Jack Bauer did in words. Uh, it's... Uh, well, we've got, we've got about 10 minutes left, and I actually think I've got to just do a quick rundown of these stories. I'm sorry. We've gotten pretty far. But what you want to do is give kudos to who? Jamie, Jamie Glasov. Jamie Glasov. How long is the clip? I don't know. It's a minute. Okay, tops. go ahead. Go ahead. Where? Yeah. Grab that. This is a. The show was called uh, Radical Muslims on the March, meaning Orthodox Muslims on the March, but they just renamed it Radical. This is on the Sean Hannity show, and Sean Hannity, you know, I'm not crazy about him, but he always allows critics of Islam to get airtime, air which is fantastic. And here's Jamie Glasov, part of this hour panel. Can, can you put a letter? 
remarks. We have an administration that's brought the Muslim Brotherhood into the government, and we have taken Islam, radical Islam, we have taken jihad, all of that out of our intel intelligence manuals because the Muslim Brotherhood told us to. How can we defend ourselves when Nadal Hassan and that massacred Fort Hood could have easily been prevented? That was workplace violence. Now, come but, on. But the That's fact is... Sorry, one second. He was trying to make a joke, and Jay wouldn't have it. And then also, he was arguing with a Muslim who was right next to him, um, Jamie. So here's we back and forth. We can't defend ourselves against Let this me, ideology. Hammer is angry at you right but, now. But she's, she's making her mad. faces. But wait, this is my final point. So many people are afraid to come forward because they're called dangerous people. They're called Islamophobes. They're called racists. But we're the ones on the side of the victims, including Muslims. We have to stand up against Islam. And the, uh, what and the left does, what the left does, Jim, what the left does Jim, is Jim, call... That is a dangerous statement. No, no, no. no what the, let that's me, a Muslim let me argument. I have two sentences. Well, it is let me finish. Let me finish. What the left You've made your point, No, sir. I haven't You've made, made your point. point. Let, 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 I have two sentences. The paradigm that the left has created is if you stand up for the victims of Islam, you're told that you hate Muslims. This is BS. We are on the side of all people, including Muslims. We're not haters. The people who are haters are the people that are defending this ideology and allowing the victimization all of right, all innocent people. Just big time bravo to Jimmy Glozov. He's, right. he's been my editor on uh, Front Page Magazine. And uh, that's just so impressive to see on a mainstream channel the condemnation of Islam as such. Right. No BS version of Islam, no prefixed, uh, you know what I mean, nothing. Islam as such. Fantastic. Let's get over to DontLetItGo.com and do a quick rundown of some of these stories that I had hoped to cover today. And really a lot of it you can get from the gist of it or the headlines. And some of it is good news. So I want to make sure we get to some of this good news before we end a show in which we've talked about oppression, <laughs> the NLRB and all the deluge of cases that it's going to You almost to oppressed generate. my, uh, my uh, clip, you know? Oh, yeah. You're... <laughs> so you oppressed um, me today. I mean, I, I didn't have a, you know, I couldn't interrupt you today. Yeah. Maybe you, just, maybe you need more sleep or more yeah. coffee, right? Yeah. Okay, so the good news about the striking down the D.C. tour guide, uh, tour guide licensing law no more requirement of a tour guide license in D.C. That is awesome. Uh, then I like the kind of chutzpah of this guy. He says, the Polish minister has apparently called ties with the U.S. worthless. Yeah. That there's, there's no value in right. having a tie in terms of a, any kind of a defense pact or whatever with the United States. In fact, it's dangerous because it gives you the false illusion that there might actually be some security hmm. that comes from being tied with the United States. Now, do you think that that might possibly be linked with the next story that I have in the rundown there, which is that Obama proposes a $500 million aid package to the Syrian rebels? You mean to Nazis, more or less. Yeah. To, to Nazis. Yeah. So we're going to get $500 million to the Syrian rebels who are going to be next year's Osama bin Laden's yes. and whatever, you know. We we, get, it always happens. I mean, that, that's what it is, you know. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's shocking. And, and for, you know, everyone to allow it to happen. Right. And wish they, wish they probably will. Washington will allow it to happen. I mean, I, why, you know, I don't want to get started on Republicans in a long way now, but power of the purse. Republicans have not used it. No. They suck. They okay, do. done. End of story. Yeah. Now let's uh, go on to the next story, which is Rob Abiera gave us an update on what's going on in Oklahoma with respect to the Common Core. If you remember, 
There was legislation passed in the Oklahoma State Legislature, passed both houses, repealing Common Core in Oklahoma. No more Common Core in Oklahoma. Governor signed it into law. Apparently, the governor may have done that because she knew of this story, which is that there are parents, teachers, and education board members who are petitioning, filing a case with the Oklahoma State Supreme Court that they should throw out the repeal of Common Core. On what grounds? I have no idea. All I know is it is suicide. And if the governor signed into law the repeal of the Common Core on the idea that it's just going to be repealed and she's going to be immune from having made that decision, damn her to something. I don't know. Next story. Damn her to to the Muslim world. White House press secretary, whoever the new one who took the place of Carney, whatever guy is, Ernest says we're, Actually, we're his name is Ernest. Ernest, yeah. We're we're not just going to sit around and wait for Congress to write laws, and that's on immigration. In the meantime, there's a disaster going on at the border, apparently. And is it true that Obama and the Democrats are using this kind of manufactured disaster in order to pressure the Republicans to? sign all, all of our lives away and oppress us even further. It's possible. Yes, the proper immigration policy is an open immigration policy, but I do not think that we're going to have a clean, good, open immigration bill come out of the Scum. current people yeah. in Washington right now. And you're certainly not going to have it come out of an executive order from Obama's pen in the phone along with the DHS. You know, he's, he's no. Mr. Destructive. Why the hell would, would he want that kind of bill anyway? Now, there is this story you gave me about the military chopper that crossed into the U.S. and shot at border agents. It looks, from what I see there, as a mistake and nothing really big, and okay. they're only reporting it because there's this context Chopping of up. all. yeah. Right. And, and I really do think among Republicans, there is way too much yes. being made of the immigration issue. Yes. Calm down, folks, and let's focus on getting a rational immigration policy because this this focus on we don't want any immigrants though we hate immigrants immigrants it's making you look stupid i'm yes, sorry i'm it sorry it's just you know we have an irrational government so why the hell would they make a rational yes in today's con in today's context more immigrants Form. means Law. more to suck us dry and stuff and we need we there's so much work we need to be done but it just seems like it's so i mean if i look on dredge report there's so much about immigration it's government reform you know, comes before any of the other critical re reforms yeah. Well, I don't know if you can ensure that. I so. know that, but what I'm saying is, you know, they all speak about reform. you got unreformed politicians talking about reform. Reform no, this, reform that. It's I impossible. Know. I know. Uh, more on the IRS, which just validates Senator Ted Cruz's call for an independent prosecutor. Uh, there's a story that says that IRS officials have sought an audit of a GOP senator. So I, IRS abuse goes beyond just harassing Tea Party promotion groups to a GOP senator. They want to audit. I mean, they got they got to go in jail. These people um, have to. A, a good story from Rob Abiera. Culture can help tame eminent domain abuse. Somebody is going to make a movie premised on the abuse of power nice. from the Kilo case. And I think that's really true. That depictions in the culture yes. of what these rights violations actually mean in personal terms, if they are done well, no. can have a tremendous profound effect. So I think it's a good sign no. that people are uh, attempting to do that there. Um, there's another story that Rob shared with me. Technology helps customers and innovators ignore regulators who target Uber and Lyft. 
And I had to look through the story a bit, but the headline is referring to the idea that even in California where they've tried to ban Uber and Lyft, that nonetheless they're able to operate because it's done through technology that they can't really get at. They can't really stop it. And it's so funny when the cab drivers try to go on strike, they just shoot themselves in the foot. And then finally, oh, actually, there's two more things. Uh, one thing is the Walmart. I think Walmart did a good job striking back at the New York Times. It was a very cute idea to edit their editorial and say, no, it was a nice first draft, but you got things wrong. One thing I did think that Walmart did in the course of it, and you go read it and, and see for yourself. It's, it's a great thing. You want to read it because here you have a corporation standing up for themselves against the New York Times. But I think that Walmart conceded an altruist premise in there. They're saying, look, you know, we're, we're big philanthropists and other things too. I think they just kind of conceded too much. And then finally, unequivocal good news. Mayor Bloomberg's ban on big sodas is rejected by the Court of Final Appeal. I just finished two. Beautiful, beautiful good big news. Gulps. We've got about 30 seconds left, people. Um, Can we go, ban uh, go to Bloomberg my blog. from public uh, life? That, I, maybe. Go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com if you want to leave comments and discuss any of these stories that I just flew through at the end or anything else that we discussed. While you're there at the blog, subscribe to the blog. You can also subscribe through iTunes. You can click follow here on Blog Talk Radio if you like that. Next week, you guys, we are off. So I wish you a happy 4th of July weekend, and I will see some of you at Ocon. Okay? Take care, everyone. Have a good time, people. Take Thank care. you. Okay, we are here just for a second, but I do have to Zoom. I have to get ready to Zoom to Ocon, and I appreciate you guys hanging out in the chat. I just want to say goodbye without you being kicked out instantaneously from the chat room. So let me Thanks, for everyone, being here. Yeah, thank appreciate you, everyone. all the comments and listenership, always. And, and let's, let's think about the oppression term as time goes on. Oh, I'm here. I'm playing some, uh, some exit music cool. already. Just, just put a little lower. But, but, a little lower, yeah? But keep it on, yeah. Oh, okay. This cool. is... Uh, Jezebel Sahara Mahala, which is a, a nice little cheerful place. Yeah. Bloomberg, SmackDown. Excellent. Obama Excellent. administration, SmackDown. It's always, you know, it's always, especially in this climate that, that we're living in right now, it's always good to see these guys take a nice hit. It's not a fundamental one, but a nice hit every so often. Just back off. Back off, punks. A little. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what it is. I mean, that's what we have to get right now. Thank you, everyone. And we will talk to you in two weeks from today. Take care, everyone. Have a great 4th of July. Take care.